0: this episode of the witch wave is brought to you by rosarium blends rosarium blends is an esoteric herbal apothecary and occult bookstore they make their own ritual incense enchanting oil blends talismanic natural perfumes planetary sigil incense grimoire inks erotic apothecary alchemical cosmetics and so much more i'm a huge fan of what they make and i often use their incense blends in my own rituals they are so special and each formula is a living spirit serving as a direct link to the inherent energies its charm embodies Rosarium Blends is offering Witchwave listeners an exclusive coupon for 15% off your entire order, though this does exclude sale items, rare books, and other limited items. So be sure to check them out at www.rosariumblends.com and use offer code WITCHWAVE15. This episode of the Witch Wave is brought to you by Imbue Jewelry. Imbue is a jewelry workshop in Port Townsend, Washington, where you can make a piece of jewelry with your own hands and imbue it with your own personal meaning, memory, intention, or spell. This is a one-day workshop with a professional jeweler where you will use a torch and jeweler's tools to create your own piece. Common types of jewelry created are amulets and talismans to invoke power and offer protection, pieces to mark milestones, transitions, or personal lineage, daily ritual reminders, and more. The metals and gemstones used are ethically sourced, and you are welcome to include your own found objects. Learn more at imbuejewelrystudio.com and on Instagram at studio And imbue is spelled I as in magic, B-U-E. And if you mention the Witch Wave podcast when you book your workshop, you'll get 13% off. So check out studio This episode of the Witch Wave is brought to you by Snowy Owl Tea. And I am so grateful that it is because they really, truly spoil me with their scrumptious tea blends, and they always send me their latest brews. My current favorites include Second Breakfast, which is made with lemon poppy seed and toasted oats, and their newest concoction, which is called Midnight Moon, which is an Earl Grey tea blend with lavender and vanilla. Snowy Owl Teas are unique, handcrafted tea blends made with real fruit, fresh ground whole spices, full leaf teas, and blossoms. They are created with your health and comfort in mind, using 100% biodegradable tea bags, and they happen to have some of the most beautifully designed packaging I have ever seen. Best of all, Witchwave listeners get 20% off orders using code WITCH. So order some super delicious tea today from www.snowyowltea.com. The world is filled with bewitching people, and you might be one too. Welcome to the podcast where art is magic, magic is real, and reality is stranger than dreams. I'm Pam Grossman, and this is The Witch Wave. Hello and welcome to the Witch Wave. It was just April Fool's Day, and so I've been thinking a lot about fools and foolishness. In tarot, the Fool card, or card zero, is the very beginning of the deck you'll notice that in Pamela Coleman Smith's iconic illustration of this card and many iterations of people riffing on her card, it often shows a person who is about to essentially walk off of a cliff. At first glance, it might seem as if this fool is totally oblivious and therefore in peril. But in fact, the Fool card is very much a card about trust and surrender and not over planning or having preconceived notions, and instead embarking on a new journey with a spirit of openness and childlike wonder, what in Buddhism is referred to as Shoshin, or beginner's mind. A big part of maintaining that openness, that foolishness, is to embrace a sense of play. And so in my own life and my own practice of magic, I try and stay fluid and free and not take all of it too seriously. In my experience, spirit has a sense of humor and will often speak to us through unconventional means and nudge us to see things from a different perspective. And so by embodying the fool, by keeping that open, playful spirit, I invite in more magic. I invite in more messages, and I invite in a spirit of surprise and delight. Plus, laughter is just so fucking powerful. I know I've told this anecdote before, but I think it bears repeating that the best advice I've ever gotten to scare away a ghost is to flash it and laugh at the top of your lungs. I actually used this technique just last night because I was doing laundry in our basement and feeling a little bit creeped out, so I just started singing ridiculous songs really, really loudly. And whether or not it scared away any basement goblins, it certainly made me feel better. And I remember during the very beginning of the pandemic, when so many of us were terrified and housebound and unsure of what the fuck was happening— the first thing that made me feel a little bit better was watching endless episodes of the show Billy on the Street. And while this fake, raving, queer-as-fuck game show parody is not overtly magical, the healing and comfort and relief that it brought me was nothing short of sacred. So thank you, Billy Eichner. I've always loved comedy. Some of you know that I'm a diehard Saturday Night Live fan, and I especially love when people combine humor and magic in intentional and irreverent ways. I adore Edward Gorey, and his oracle deck, the Fantod Pack, is a favorite of mine to pull from or have friends pull from whenever they visit. And I notice a lot of kids who visit us really, really love this deck, too. And even though Edward Gorey's cards include such macabre and silly imagery like the waltzing mouse and the burning head, they give me a sense of mystery and mirth that just feels super liberating and inspiring to me, and also meaningful. And I get that same feeling from the work of today's guest, who is Evan Doherty of Arcane Bullshit. Though many of you might be familiar with the Arcane Bullshit Instagram account full of supernatural old-timey memes, I fell in love with the Arcane Bullshit Oracle deck early on. And you know what? I'm going to pull a few cards from the deck right now just to give you a sense of it. Okay, we have a skeleton eating a banana, the super horny porno owl, and the pantsless beekeeper. Yes, so excellent. Wow, I'm in for quite a day today, aren't I? <laughs> I was so happy to talk with Evan about belief and skepticism, his various satirical art projects, and how he maintains his foolish, nonsensical sensibility. But before we get to that, first, let's check and see what's come through on the witch wire.
1: Who is it? Witches.
0: Wendy writes, Hi, I need some guidance and help. My best friend has thymoma, a rare form of cancer that's behind her heart. She's battled with depression for a long time. This is her second time with cancer, having first been diagnosed with uterine cancer 10 years ago. I think her physical heart and psychological heart are both hurting. I want to support her self-love and self-care so she can focus her energy to healing. I loved crystals growing up and studied their physical properties and was obsessed with their meanings. I decided to pull out my crystal books and formulate a plan from my crystals to help her heal and feel loved. I ended up going in the direction of an assemblage altar. I had a silver tray, yellow flowers to represent friendship, a heart shaped rock I picked up on a vacation together years ago in Iceland, a wooden feather I wood burned in the first grade, thinking about how it feels to hold and rub, and it also represents freedom from cancer, lightness for her heart, etc. And a beautifully illustrated tarot card for cheese fries. Unconventional. But when I presented her with this first draft altar, she was tickled. Could have been the cheese fries tarot, to be honest. Ha! From here, I'd like to build my own altar. I need a positive radiating center too. And continue to add to and upgrade hers. For whatever thoughts, direction, or guidance you share, I am grateful. Thank you. Hi, Wendy. First of all, I'm just so sorry to hear about your friend, and I'm so moved by the love and support that you feel called to offer her on her healing journey right now. And I also have to say that your email ended up going in a direction that I was not expecting, and I was utterly charmed by it. Because after all of this sincerity and hardship and care that you so beautifully express, you mention a Cheese fries tarot card, and it just cracked me up. And I think that this approach, this spirit, this energy is really central to the helpful magic that you can bring to your friend and yourself right now. Because she is going through something so hard, and you are sensing that she could really use, in your words, some lightness in her heart. So certainly you can work with that concept of lightness and levity. And for that, I love working with the spirit of air. This is the spirit of flight, of laughter, of song. And so you can certainly incorporate anything about levity and lightness into your altar. This can be incense. You already have a feather on there, which is perfect. You can use bird imagery, wind And what just popped into my mind is yeast, provided you aren't keeping kosher for Passover right now because yeast is literally about levity. It's how bread gets leavened. But just as importantly, I would love for you to keep incorporating that spirit of laughter, we'll call her the goddess of cheese fries, into your spell work. What other elements that are funny and weird and left of center can you bring to your altars? This reminds me, speaking of humor, I listen religiously to the podcast Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, and Conan frequently talks about how he worships at the altar of silliness. Now, I realize he doesn't mean that literally. He's just talking about how much he treasures silliness and foolishness in terms of the comedy that he admires and strives to create in his own work. But I'd love to task you with this. What would an altar of silliness look like for you and your friend? What makes you both crack the fuck up? What brings out the spirit of laughter, of levity in you? What or who can keep your goddess of cheese fries company? Because if you can add some more of that joy and relief and not taking shit so seriously into your spellcraft, I think it will bring both of you some much needed medicine in an otherwise all too serious time. So I hope that resonates. I hope your friend heals and gets healthier each day. And I hope you never stop worshiping at the altar of silliness in the days to come. Now on to my guest. Evan Doherty is the creator of Arcane Bullshit, which is a project that encompasses a lot of things from merch to memes to the Arcane Bullshit Oracle deck, and now an upcoming book. Arcane Bullshit is hilarious and offbeat, and often juxtaposes vintage found imagery from mythology, biology, and history with surreal, absurdist captions. The Arcane Bullshit website states the following, quote, Shitty nonsense for non-serious people. Arcane bullshit products are not recommended for tugboat captains, sapient dolls, anyone born before 1860, pond goblins, or butlers. Unquote. Just to give you a sense of the vibe we're talking about here. The Arcane Bullshit Oracle Deck is Evan's snarky, twisted send-up of tarot with 106 cards designed by him, and he's been making these cards since 2011. He's also run two successful Kickstarter campaigns, one in 2018 and another in 2021. Actually, let's make it three successful Kickstarter campaigns because he just launched his third for the forthcoming Arcane Bullshit book, which is called Stop Looking at My Tiny Town, and he hit his goal almost immediately upon launching, though it is still going on as I record this. Evan's arcane bullshit illustrations and Instagram feed have a cult following, and I'm constantly sharing his work on my Instagram, not to mention Matt and I own a bunch of his shirts and posters and stickers and so on. We are a little bit obsessed. I'll also mention that since we recorded this conversation— Evan welcomed a new baby into the world, so congratulations to him and his family, and I hope the baby has a name like one of his arcane bullshit oracle cards. Here's a good one. The Feral Nerd. (laughs) Yes. Evan joined me from his home in Toronto via Zoom. Evan Doherty, welcome to the Witch Wave.
2: Hey, (laughs) good to be here.
0: (laughs) It's so nice to have you here. Now, I was going to describe myself as a rabid arcane bullshit fan, but then I was afraid I was going to scare you. So (laughs) we'll just say I'm a ravenous arcane bullshit fan. So I'm really excited that you're here.
2: No, that's good. I'm excited to talk to you because I operate in isolation most of the time. So like hearing from a self-professed fan will be really helpful
0: (laughs) excellent excellent well i am definitely that so often i have artists on the show and i ask them to describe their work because translating a visual medium to an auditory medium is a bit of a challenge for you i think we have a double challenge because not only do i want you to describe your work but it's also fucking funny And I feel like describing jokes immediately (laughs) makes them not as funny. So I'm sorry in advance, but can you please describe arcane bullshit and the ethos and aesthetics behind it?
2: Yeah, I'll give it a try. For me especially, I feel like what I'm doing is constantly kind of evolving and changing. I'm fortunate enough to have lots of really wonderful followers. And every now and then someone will reach out to me and tell me a specific way that something i've made has resonated with them it's always so nice to get that kind of feedback because i'm just barely aware that what i'm doing makes sense at all like to me <laughs> i it doesn't quite make sense i'm guessing <laughs> at a lot of things i'm just taking a lot of risks and putting all my weirdest thoughts out there yes but yeah if i had to describe it it's gone through several iterations and transmutations but right now the majority of my work is kind of focused on my Instagram account where I'm scouring the public domain for sort of like weird imagery. And then I'm transposing either nonsensical or like vaguely relatable sentiments and phrases over top of those weird images. I tend to work mostly in black and white. I think that started with the Oracle deck because that was a project that I actually drew myself. and. It was kind of a limitation. I just didn't feel like I was that good at drawing and I didn't want to complicate it too much. So I just left everything black and white. Mm -hmm. And then I just sort of really enjoyed that aesthetic. And every now and then I'll add little touches of color here and there to things. But for the most part, it's black and white. And I've kind of got this whole process that I've perfected for like grabbing pictures from old books, messing with the contrast and the levels and the textures to kind of make them look even more beat up and old, and then putting weird text with weird fonts over top of them.
0: Yes, yes. What first attracted me to your work is, and I know you've expanded into a lot of other, we'll just call them like genres or styles, but you tend to often come back to images of mythology, witchcraft, the occult, and then kind of Poke fun at it in this way that I find absolutely delectable. <laughs> it's interesting because, you know, a lot of people, I think when they maybe meet me at first, they think, oh, you're a practicing witch, and therefore I should treat witchcraft and spirituality very reverentially. But I'm very... Fond of using this word reverent irreverence. I love shit that pokes fun at witchcraft and magic and the occult. Like it's some of my favorite stuff. Because I just feel like we shouldn't take this stuff too seriously. And I also happen to think that silliness is sacred. So anyhow, your stuff really appeals to me because of that. So I thought I would talk about some of the, I don't know. I I was going to describe them as like memes but I feel like that's so trivializing to what you make. (laughs) Like they're kind of comics maybe, or I don't know, is there a better word that you use to describe the format?
2: I think memes is okay because in so many ways, like they are trivial and they are ephemeral Mm thing is that somebody just sort of like, you know, maybe you're on the toilet and you're flipping through your phone and you're trying (laughs) to find like just a moment of entertainment like they really are these just tiny moments of entertainment and i'm churning them out so quickly too that i'm like i'm not compelled to think of them as these monumental important works either so i think meme is okay i think memes are great
0: okay good i just i didn't want to offend your delicate artistic sensibilities there so
2: not too delicate
0: Excellent. So I'm going to attempt to read the text of one of your images. This is probably not going to go well, Evan, but let's give it a try just to paint a picture. This is an older meme of yours, and it has an image of a witch in a cauldron. The witch is wearing a crop top that says, witch, just in case you didn't know it was a witch. And the headline is, shit witches say. And this witch is surrounded by phrases like, I want to kiss bats and do sins. Big hat is good. Get your your feet off my sex log. And I tell time using worms. And there's many, many others. But just to paint the picture of, like, this absurdist sense of humor that you have that just, like, cracks me the fuck up. I also love you have one that says... Here's something I should tell you, Evan. So you used the word tiny moments earlier, and for some reason, my printer printed out my questions for this interview, teeny tiny. (laughs) And I was in such a rush to get to the studio on time today that I just kind of grabbed it. So I'm like squinting. I need like a magnifying glass or even a microscope to read some of this shit, but let me do my best. You have one that says, I miss the old mermaids who used to murder horny sailors and steal their (laughs) treasure, which is excellent. It looks almost like clip art, like old, you know, mermaids and manatees. And it's just festooned with details and images. And it just cracks me the fuck up. So where do uh, God, I can't believe I'm going to ask this question because it's so obvious. But I really do want to know, like, where do these ideas come from for you?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. I think focusing so much of my time and energy on Instagram has kind of shaped the way that I work, because it is a medium where nothing gets remembered. It sort of starts fresh every day. Somebody might go back and look at your old posts, but that feels very uncommon. So like, you're constantly just kind of driven to churn out more and more new stuff. I used to spend a lot more time trying to conceive an idea before I uh, committed it to images and words. So I would be inspired by something like a post that I saw elsewhere on social media, uh, and I would just satirize a specific thing that someone else was doing. Nowadays, my ideas are kind of more derived from the images that I find. Mm-hmm. Like the mermaids one, I had just collected a lot of really, really good old public domain imagery of mermaids and I just loved them like there's just some really cool old-timey sea stuff that uh, I, I just had in a folder and I was like this is amazing I have, to, I have to use it somehow. I think I put together all the pictures first and then I was like trying to figure out the right combination of words and to me it's like if I overthink it then I often kind of get overwhelmed and I'll lose the thing altogether so I try not to overthink it I try to just like spit out The first couple of things that come to my mind. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not. Sure. But it's like something really freeing about just making so much content and you just don't even care if your ideas are good or not. When I go back and I look at an older post like that shit witches say one, that was way more deliberate of a process. And I like, I drew the picture of the witch on that and all of those phrases. I probably had this giant document. And I called them all from that. Mm -hmm. There was a little bit more research going into it and a little bit more just like uh, time spent sitting with my thoughts, trying to develop all of sort of the right things to comment on. More
0: deliberation.
2: Absolutely. But yeah, now I tend to rush things out a lot more. And the result is chaotic, but kind of more fun for me sometimes.
0: Why is it more fun for you?
2: Well, I was just about to say too, like when people are excited about the sort of giddiness of the stuff that I'm making, it's because they're responding to the fact that I'm having so much fun in the moment, and I'm not second guessing everything that I do. And I'm just kind of in this state of play, I guess. Like I'm an adult, and I mentioned to you, I mentioned before that I'm a Capricorn too, and take that as you will, but I'm not super spontaneous and fun in my day to day life. Mm. I wouldn't say I'm boring, but I love working and I love just making things. And for me, that's kind of an escape from like the schedule that I'm on most of the time. So the most fun I have throughout the week is when I actually have time to work on new ideas and I kind of sit down and I try and trick my mind into this very playful, productive state. And I don't always get there, but if I can even come sort of close and just pull a couple of really giddy sort of joyful ideas out of the ether, then I think that's a success.
0: Yes. I find that state of play to be deeply magical, just Mm -hmm. personally speaking. And that's something that, you know, I've talked a lot about on the show and the people that I'm most attracted to in my spiritual life are people who, as I said earlier, like they are very reverential but they also like don't take any of this shit too seriously and I'm actually about to have my coven over this evening we're recording right around spring equinox and we cackle and we are disgustingly perverted and body and just have a fucking hoot and drink lots of wine and you know it's not just like worshiping the moon delicately you know what I mean like it's really fun and I think that that state of play is really holy and magical too so how do you get yourself into that frame of mind
2: for me it's not that difficult when I'm by myself I have a lot of anxiety when other folks are around. Mm. And a lot of the time, if I am with other people, they have to be like a very close trusted circle of people. And a lot of the time like drugs or alcohol are involved and that really helps. (laughs) Yes. But when I'm by myself, I can get there a lot faster. And especially now that it's my job, (laughs) I've kind of like perfected the ritual, getting myself in the right frame of mind. Like I have the most creative energy first thing in the morning. It's hard for me to get out of bed early but a good day is one where i wake up early and just kind of have some quiet moments to myself and i'm able to drink a bunch of coffee feed myself a decent breakfast i'm in toronto so sitting outside isn't always possible but the ideal creative moment is sitting outside and uh, having the sun on me listening to some birds chirping and just kind of spacing out Mm. i try to minimalized distractions, because like I can get so sucked into just whatever is going on on my phone or on my laptop. Sure. I prefer to work out of a sketchbook. And yeah, that's pretty much all it takes. Like and I just start riffing kind of with myself on paper. And that's super fun for me. And that usually gets me there.
0: I love that. On that note, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. So by now you know I love wiser books, and I'm really excited about one of their newest publications, which is called Heal the Witch Wound by Celeste Larson. Heal the Witch Wound is a book that's a practical guide for modern witches and healers full of rituals, journal prompts, visualization exercises, and other tools to overcome the witch wound, which is described as a collective, intergenerational, psychic wound that has scarred people, mostly women, for centuries. Heal the Witch Wound is a witchcraft healing book with feminist overtones guiding modern witches on the path of healing their own witch wound. The book unfolds in three parts. Part one journeys back into the burning times. Part two is rooted in the present moment and explores the most common signs and symptoms of the witch wound. And part three branches into the bright and brilliant future, offering an abundance of practices, both magical and mundane, to help heal the witch wound. And that includes step-by-step rituals, exercises, journal prompts, affirmations, visualizations, and other tools. Author Celeste Larson is a pagan witch, writer, ritualist, and esoteric business owner, She authors the blog Mage by Moonlight, where she writes about a range of esoteric topics including folk magic, Norse paganism, polytheism, animism, ancestor veneration, ritual practice, magical self-healing, and more. Originally from Texas, Celeste currently resides in beautiful County Cork, Ireland. So go ahead and read her new book, Heal the Witch Wound, or check out her website at www.magebymoonlight.com or at Mage by Moonlight on social media. The Witch Wave is sponsored by BetterHelp. So I am always striving to grow and learn new things And I'm always trying to think about how I can keep my work exciting for me and for you all. I love doing this podcast. I love writing. I love doing all the different projects that I do. But I'm always looking to expand and figure out what's next. How can I add to what I'm doing? How can I offer more? How can I keep myself and all of my wonderful listeners and readers and students engaged in what I'm doing, too? And a lot of this requires a great deal of introspection. And getting to know oneself can be a lifelong process. I'm a very introspective person. And therapy has been a huge tool in my toolkit to help me with this introspection. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding. Because sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way we do until we talk through things with somebody else. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. And I've been in therapy on and off since I was 14 years old. I'm in my early 40s now. So that's a long time. And it has helped me so much at every step of my journey to help figure out who I am, what can I offer, what is next. And a lot of what I talk about with my current therapist, is actually around my creativity and how I can keep growing and evolving in a sustainable way. Therapy has been helpful for me in learning positive coping skills for when those times get stressful. It's helped me learn to set boundaries, and it's empowered me to be the best version of myself It's not just for those of us who've experienced major trauma or major rifts in our lives. Therapy is also beneficial to help us figure out how can I navigate my life in a way that's the most prosperous and healthy and joyful so I can keep going and keep growing. So if you're thinking about starting therapy yourself, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. And all you have to do to get started is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Visit betterhelp.com/slash witchwave today to get 10% off your first month. That's better H-E-L-P.
3: Hi, sweet magical podcast listener. It's Amy and Risa here from the Missing Witches podcast. We wanted to let you know that we are getting ready for our annual May fundraiser for Native Women's Shelters. It's our third year, it's the fourth year that we've donated our proceeds, but the third year that we're doing this um, fundraiser and it's become a community creation that we'd love to invite you to help us build this wave.
1: Every year we donate our own proceeds for the month of May from our Patreon and and then we started to put together a raffle with prizes donated by the incredible fucking magical artists, artisans, healers, poets, practitioners in our Wide Witch Web and it just got bigger
3: so to participate in the raffle just make a donation of ten dollars or more to the native women's shelter of montreal or to your own local non supporting native women or native people that's close to your own heart and home And
1: then just send the receipt uh, for your donation to missingwitches at gmail.com. And you'll be entered in our great big prize draw. I think we do one entry for every $10 of your donation. So if you make a $100 donation, that's 10 entries, something like that.
3: That's right. Yeah. And to learn more about this project, you can check out missingwitches.com slash reparations, or again, email us at missingwitches at gmail.com.
1: And oh my gosh, uh, and oh my goddess, and oh my (laughs) all the goddesses. If you are a listener interested in donating a prize, we are fucking thrilled to hear from you. So please email us, uh, same address, missingwitches at gmail.com, and we will be excited to celebrate you and share your work and join in this act of reparations and community love Together, thank you. you. Blessed fucking be.
0: (laughs) Welcome back to the Witch Wave. Today, I'm speaking with Evan Doherty. So, Evan, earlier you mentioned in passing your oracle deck, and this is a deck that I own and absolutely treasure. And I think a lot of people who are listening are going to be interested in how you came to make your own divinatory deck and. What makes it different from other Oracle Decks and Tarot Decks that are out there?
2: Yeah, I'm very happy to talk about that. I have thought about it so much. Some of the things that you've already touched on like, kind of made me think about it because you're talking about reverence and things that should or should not be taken seriously. I'm 100% with you that like I don't really think that there's anything that should be taken 100% seriously all the time. <laughs> I, obviously, you have to uh, read the room, but uh, sure, there are probably bad times to not take things too seriously. But it's something that helps me to cope with the more difficult things. Is to kind of like skew your perspective and try and access what's really absurd about those things. So the oracle deck started from a place of pure sort of, I'm not going to say contempt, <laughs> or like
0: bring it, bring it. You're not going to offend me. Go ahead.
2: I was a lot younger and it was a lot snottier. The way that I sort of drew inspiration was through opposition to something. Sure. So it was like I went to art school and art school is a really weird place where they try and teach you about how to compose artist statements and sort of justify this like very absurd work that you do. And a lot of that felt to me like bullshit. Yes. And the whole time I was there, I feel like all the work that I did was just kind of trying to make fun of that whole system Mm -hmm. and trying to like make something that really confronted how stupid I thought everything was. And then coming out of art school, it was still where I was getting most of my fuel, finding things that I thought were really stupid, just kind of trying to take them apart a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, with the Oracle deck, I think it kind of did start out from a place where I was just like, I don't understand tarot or cartomancy, divination stuff. I want to kind of just make fun of it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, as an artist, if you're spending a lot of time with something, you kind of get to a point where you're like, okay, this isn't stupid. I've dug <laughs> deep enough into this now that I kind of get it. Okay. There's a lot more to understand than what I understood at first. The very first spark of inspiration definitely came from like...
0: Wanting to poke holes in it.
2: Not understanding it, thinking it was kind of silly. And I don't know if you saw that one Simpsons episode where Lisa's at like the Renaissance fair and she gets her cards read and it, the tarot reader pulls the card and it's like the happy squirrel. <laughs> and
0: <laughs> That's right. I forgot about that.
2: So it was, to me, it was like this idea of you're in this very somber serious like almost religious setting and this person who you're putting all your trust in like flips over the card and to me it was just what's the most ridiculous possible thing that could be on that card yes (laughs) there's over a hundred cards in the deck and it was like every single one of them that was the the sort of impetus was just what is the perfect most ridiculous moment that, that you could achieve in that setting
0: Oh, I love it. So listen, let's go through just a couple of the cards to give our listeners an idea of what we're talking about. I just wrote some of my favorites down. You have space death as a card. You have big sexy Satan. You have, this is one of my personal favorites, a bunch of cats posing as a woman, (laughs) which is so good. I feel like that is me. What are some of your other favorite cards?
2: Oh my goodness. Yeah, there's so many in there. The process of making the deck was kind of a long drawn out process. So I've added to it over the years. So at this point, like some of the older cards kind of bug me. There's still a <laughs> few in there that I'm like, I want to replace that one. But the ones that I end up just seeing the most I have on like a lot of different merch, like Big Sexy Satan is definitely like I people mean, want that on everything.
0: How can you resist?
2: Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, Space Death 2. I have one or two fans who have been following along from the beginning who actually have that like tattooed on their body, which is amazing to me. (laughs)
0: Nice, nice. Well, I'm going to tell you a quick anecdote. And that's to say, a lot of times when we have guests or people staying with us, we have this little house up in the mountains that we go to sometimes. And I have a few different decks. And I love to have our guests pull cards from the decks. And most of the decks are, you know, pretty sincere, earnest, beautiful, lovely decks. But I also love to have them pull from the arcane bullshit oracle as well. And my sister-in-law, who was pregnant at the time, pulled the card, which was uterus with feet. (laughs) And we all cracked up. She, like, died. Because not only was it the perfect card for her, but it also kind of like touched a nerve because she was feeling like a uterus with feet. (laughs) She felt like she had just seen our in-laws or our shared in-laws. All they wanted to do was talk about the baby and touch, you know, her torso. And she just was like over it. So it was this really beautiful moment of your ridiculous deck that you created to poke fun at all of this actually being not only accurate, but giving my sister-in-law this, like, real release and moment of relief. And it opened up this whole conversation about how she was actually feeling about being pregnant. Because, you know, women are supposed to to just be like, oh, I'm so happy. Like, I'm the bearer of life. And it's so sacred. And (laughs) actually, it can feel really shitty to a lot of people. And so the deck was effective in that way, whether or not you intended it to be. And I wondered, Evan, if there are other anecdotes or experiences that you've had or heard of people having actual real moving experiences with this silly, silly deck of yours.
2: That's a good question. Off the top of my head, I can't think of any specific stories like that. But I definitely think that What you're describing obviously wasn't my original intention to actually have this be something that was useful to people emotionally. When I do hear stories like that, I'm always so amazed. And over the years, I've heard enough stories where there are just kind of these perfect moments of synchronicity where the deck kind of lines up with something in your life. And it's kind of made me realize, regardless of what I want this thing to be and how I want people to use it, people are going to bring their own meaning to it. It's going to intersect with their lives in these completely unintended ways. And I think that is really magical. As I developed the deck, I kind of developed it a little bit more with that in mind. The thing that drew me to tarot in the first place is kind of just how loaded with symbolism each image is. So even though a lot of the cards are like really silly, I still try to give them not necessarily like depth so that you can decode in a consistent and logical way, but I try to give them at least like a little bit of push and pull. So there's different things that you can look at and try and bring together in your mind and make meaningful in your own way. And I've had a few experiences doing readings myself too. First of all, I'm really, really bad at doing readings. I hate <laughs> it. It's like
0: What do you mean?
2: (laughs) Um, I think it goes to my social anxiety. If it were just me goofing around by myself or with like someone that I was really close with, I think I could probably get into that headspace. It's like that performative element of it where you have to kind of be on and you kind of have to think on your feet. Like I'm not great at it. Mm -hmm. I would like to take it away and go and think about it for two and a half hours (laughs) and write notes and then come back with something really polished and composed rather than doing it spontaneously. But yeah, a couple of times I have done readings because I'll go to shows to sell the deck. And a couple of times people have hired me for events. And the one that I remember is, I think it was Halloween. So everyone was drinking and almost every single person, they sat down like grinning and just giggling over the deck. But by the end, (laughs) they were pretty much crying. like Everybody like... (laughs) Because they were all <laughs> drunk. So many people found something really serious and important to them that was being you know, sort of called out, called out by the cards. Yeah, exactly. And for whatever reason, wanted to get vulnerable in a bar on Halloween.
0: Oh, my goodness. Listen, mancys you know, any kind of divination, whether it's chiromancy or tassiomancy or oomancy or bibliomancy, you can do divination with anything, right? Books, tea Mm -hmm. leaves, entrails of dead animals, birds. And so I think, of course, you can do divination with a deck of 106 very silly cards and some meaning or some message can come through. Like, I don't think the gods or spirit or source or whatever you want to call it. I don't actually think they care what we use. I think they're just like, great, that's the deck. Cool. I'll work with it in this other way then. I mean, that's just my opinion. And certainly we can also just chalk it up to chance and randomness and people bringing meaning to whatever they're confronted with. But it's still effective either way.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think like even just me going through the exercise of spending five to ten years or however long it took me to make this deck deliberately trying to think of 106 distinct very jarring and bizarre images (laughs) i think it ensures that there's going to be something there that kind of resonates with somebody on some level
0: absolutely was it cathartic for you to make
2: yeah i had a friend of mine last week asked me to come in and like talk to his class of illustration students so i've been through this story a few times recently but like he encouraged me in this presentation to not describe anything that happened to me as luck but it's very tempting to see things as luck because the oracle deck was like the very first large serious art project i ever did like the timing of it was just lucky and There were so many things about it that just kind of worked and clicked in that moment. So it was cathartic for me early on to kind of realize that I could take on such a big project. And, you know, I did it bit by bit, but even just finishing each step was very, very fulfilling. And getting out all of this sort of whatever anger or distrust I had for whatever it was at that time must have been cathartic too. Totally.
0: Has your relationship with, We'll just call it belief, (laughs) broadly speaking. Has that changed or evolved as you've been working on the Arcane Bullshit Project broadly? Or are you still kind of as cynical as you ever were?
2: Oh, 100% it has evolved. I think where I still get really kind of upset is when I feel like belief is being used to manipulate people or when there's something disingenuous about it you know obviously like this past decade we've seen occult type stuff sort of being seized upon by corporations to sell people things and that kind of stuff i still feel angry about and i still want to make fun of mm-hmm. um,
0: and conspiracy theories and conspiracy all of that shit theories. Yep, yep yep yeah
2: when it's just sort of being used to sort of pry open people's hearts and minds and wallets to like get them to participate in something. There's definitely an ickiness to it, but it can be a pure and non-evil thing. And I definitely appreciate the value in people's beliefs more and more.
0: Excellent. On that note, we're going to take another quick break and we'll be right back. If you've been listening to The Witch Wave for a while, you know by now that I am absolutely infatuated with Mithras Candle. Mithras Candle was one of my very first sponsors when the show launched over five years ago, and they are still one of my very favorite sponsors because their candles are so gorgeous, so magical, and so thoughtfully made. These pure beeswax lights are inspired by the modern science of photobiology, along with ancient pagan practices and cosmic mysteries. Mithras candles are handmade by my mythic and scientific pals in Philadelphia, and they come in traditional golden yellow and sensual black hues with unique colors and collaborations popping up seasonally. You will be absolutely obsessed too once you experience the beautiful Byzantine hand-dripped style of a Mithras candle and their honeyed floral aroma. Go to MithrasCandle.com to pick up the perfect candle for your most magical moments, or to simply infuse the mundane with something sacred. Witchwave listeners get 18% off their first order by using offer code WITCH at checkout. That's offer code WITCH at M as in magic, I-T-H-R-A-S, candle.com. Black Phoenix Alchemy Lab is a specialty fragrance house currently celebrating its 20th year now based in Philadelphia. Black Phoenix Alchemy Lab specializes in formulating body and household blends with a dark, romantic, gothic tone. And over the years, they've collaborated with so many of my heroes, including Neil Gaiman, Guillermo del Toro, and the Jim Henson Company. They continually return to inspirations drawn from history, mythology, literature, pop culture, and fine art. And they have a sister store called Twilight Alchemy Lab that creates oils blended and consecrated specifically for use in witchcraft and ritual magic. Keep up with their latest seasonal perfume releases by looking them up on social media. And Black Phoenix Alchemy Lab also now has a YouTube channel where they share scent reviews, announcements, and original video art. Perfume archives and customer reviews going back many years can be found at the fanrun bpal.org web forum. And of course, you can order all of Black Phoenix Alchemy Lab's decadent perfumes, oils, and more at blackphoenixalchemylab.com. Would you like even more Witchwave? Do you wish you could hear from me and my other bewitching guests on a weekly basis? Then come join us on Patreon, where you'll get bi-weekly bonus Witchwave Plus episodes, ad-free Witchwave episodes, and detailed show notes for all. Rewards for some tiers also include magical merch and contests where you can win lead prizes each month, as well as early heads up about my workshops before they sell out. And all backers get access to our exclusive digital coven, where I lead monthly online rituals and where you can connect to a community of other wonderful witch wave witches around the world. So head on over to patreon.com slash witchwave and sign up. It's a fabulous way to get more magic in your life and to support the show. Thank you so much. Welcome back to The Witch Wave. Today I'm speaking with Evan Dougherty. So Evan, we were talking broadly about belief. I also want to talk about your influences. Who, whether artistically or comedically, are some of the inputs that you have ingested as a younger person that might have whether overtly or covertly influenced the arcane bullshit project and aesthetic?
2: Oh, that's a good question. Now it's so much harder for me to pin down my influences because it's the kind of See that I'm swimming in is just Instagram, and there's just so many creators that I follow, and I'm just picking up so many little bits of things that I like here and there. Totally. Earlier on, there might have been some more specific kind of references that I was making.
0: Like I was curious if you were like a Monty Python fan or a Kids in the Hall fan, since you grew up in Canada. Or like, is there anything just comedically that you just loved as a kid that might be? leaking its way into your project
2: oh 100 percent. yeah i'm definitely always been like a huge sketch comedy fan
0: same same
2: so yeah like monty python kids in the hall the thing that i love about sketch comedy that comes out a little bit in my work is when you're making like a sketch there's no sort of like predefined format for how long it has to be whether it has to have like beginning, middle and end. So people experiment a lot. And the kind of variety that you get in a comedy sketch is just outrageous. And I would even say a good 70 to 90% of comedy sketches are bad. Yeah, They tried something and it didn't fully work. But I've always loved just the fact that they're trying. And that's definitely like a headspace that I try to get myself into like this doesn't really matter you can just try a million things and if something kind of works a little bit then you can build on it or try it again
0: so it's kind of like eradicating your fear of failure if you will
2: yeah absolutely and that's a very strong fear in me and this whole arcane bullshit endeavor has kind of been just something that i've been building on step by step because i think somebody had said to me at the very beginning you're going to do xyz and you're going to make all this merch and you're going to ship it to people out of your garage you're going to have to buy enormous boxes full of envelopes <laughs> i would be like no thanks <laughs> i'm not going I'm not to totally. do that that's that sounds terrible
0: yes shipping is a killer it is a fact
2: <laughs> yeah and i spend way too much time just thinking about logistics right now but i wouldn't have taken that leap and i probably would have failed at it too if i had found myself just Suddenly in the deep end of all of this. But I've structured it in such a way that it's like I create a safe space where I can kind of mess around and play with ideas. Something kind of like resonates with somebody out there. I get kind of an idea that this might be something people want to see more of. And then I'll build it into a bigger product.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Were you raised with any encouragement, whether it's artistically speaking, comedically speaking? or spiritually speaking or any combination thereof i'm just so curious about your family life and your background
2: i'm at the age now where i like to try and imagine things from my parents perspective a lot more 10 years ago if you'd asked me that question i would have been like absolutely not (laughs) um my my family was pretty like boring white middle-class family in a small town Mm -hmm. if there's anything i learned or taught myself, it was a kind of out of rebellion, maybe. Mm -hmm. But but I'm sure that there were seeds. My dad was definitely a Monty Python fan and definitely would have showed me a couple little things here and there that uh, helped to mold my sense of humor. My parents did send me to art school. I don't think they understood the value of an arts education (laughs) necessarily, but Mm, but they they did did. anyway. They did it anyway. No one else in the family is an artist or was really doing anything creative. So I definitely appreciate that they, like, took that leap with me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Big time. They oh.
2: still don't understand what I'm doing. It's <laughs> very They're like, confusing. you
0: make a living at what?
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: <sighs> That's so funny. You have mentioned now a few times words like anxious and you prefer to work alone and so on. And it feels to me like maybe your artwork... And all these different projects that you do are in some way, I don't know if therapeutic is the right word for you. I'm wondering how you might feel transformed by the work that you make.
2: That's a good question. If it's therapeutic, it's therapeutic in this very kind of remote, sort of detached way where like I'm not talking to somebody face to face and opening up about my thoughts and feelings and getting a response back immediately (laughs) but sure it's more just like i'm pouring things out there and every now and then like i'll get a little bit of somebody supporting it or not supporting it but yeah i do think it's a little bit therapeutic i'm not deliberately setting out to sort of address problems that i have through the work that i do most of the time
0: sure i guess i more meant like because you are so audacious in your work but You've described yourself as a Capricorn
1: <laughs> and <laughs> and as having, you know, some social ways.
0: anxiety. Yeah. I wondered if it was, I don't know, freeing for you to get to just not give a fuck in the things that you make, you know, if there's a contrast between how you can express yourself in your work versus how you might operate outside of your work.
2: Yes, yes, a 100%. I definitely agree with you there because I do feel like out in the world, like I'm very restrained and I do feel like there are a lot of kind of boundaries that I have with regard to expressing myself and like letting out all of my like, weirder ideas. In that respect, just being able to not feel constrained, not feel like there are any rules holding me back and then also getting actual positive feedback from real people is amazing. And yeah, it it does give me a sense of freedom.
0: I love that. Well, listen, you have a new project that you have just launched on Kickstarter. I am a very excited backer of this project. This is your first book that you're putting out. Can you let us know more about that?
2: Yeah, definitely. It's funny because this project is still so fresh and in a lot of ways, I'm still developing it haven't figured out how to talk about it yet. But, uh, <laughs> you
0: can use me as an experimental guinea pig. Let's do it.
2: Yeah, I'm making it up as I go. In a nutshell, like this sort of elevator pitch is just, well, no, never mind. This is going to be longer than an elevator pitch.
0: Why don't we start with the title, Evan?
2: Yeah. So the... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, This is always a problem for me is where do where do things start and where do they end? (laughs) I never know. Wow,
0: that got very existential all of a sudden. (laughs) I'm with you.
2: Yeah, it's a struggle constantly. So the book is called Stop Looking at My Tiny Town. It's based on a meme that I put on my Instagram, which typically like I'll post a carousel of five or six images. The algorithm seems to like it more when you post a bunch of images instead of just one. It gets shown to more people. It'll recur in your feed a few times so that you've seen every single one of the images.
0: I like how you talk about the algorithm like it's a god we have to (laughs) appease, you know? Oh, it likes it when we do this.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's how we all talk about it because it's like this black box. Nobody understands how it works. Anything that people tell you about how to run your social media, it's all just superstition. It's all just (laughs) tales that we've passed down. Like a friend of mine had this one thing that worked for him. So now we all have to try this. (laughs) Exactly,
0: exactly. The
2: algorithm is weird. So out of necessity, I kind of started making these carousel posts. Typically when I do it, the images are in no particular order. There's nothing consistent or structured about the sequence of them. But every now and then I'll do one where it's more like a comic book. It'll be like five slides and kind of tells a little story. And this was one of those ones. It was one of these ideas where I just had a picture that I really liked. Somebody has jumped in and provided me this information recently. They were like, oh, that's actually a picture of this town in France or something (laughs) in the 16th century. I don't don't know. But to me, it's just this funny-looking tiny little town, and it's like, yeah, European, like, walled village or something. And it's kind of drawn in this kind of, like, naive style, too. Like, there's something really cute about it. The meme is kind of written in the voice of this town planner who has created this town and really regrets all the choices that they've made. Like, (laughs) they've somehow stumbled their way into being responsible for a town, and they've just made a series of, like, very bad decisions, and the town is just a total mess the roads are bad the real estate is expensive town council has all these issues and so initially it was just four or five slides with no resolution at the end it's kind of just gets worse and worse and it's like in conclusion please stop looking at my tiny town
0: <laughs> oh it delights me so much evan it truly truly does i'm so excited that this book is going to be real What is the timeline for it? I know the Kickstarter just launched, and you've already blown way past your goal. So what are you thinking in terms of when this book is going to come out and how it might expand?
2: Yeah, I'm so, so excited and so thankful about all the support that I got so quickly. I've got like 20-something days left in the Kickstarter campaign, and I kind of just want to fold it up and just be like, I'm done now. I don't want to raise any more money let's just start making this thing
0: bad capitalist bad capitalist evan you need more <laughs> more riches
2: no exactly the, <laughs> the thing about running a kickstarter campaign too is it tricks you into thinking that way where you're like hey i reached my goal but i could try and double it Or like hey, why not go for like a million dollars that's a cool goal
0: your book can be just like
2: printed on solid gold for all of us <laughs> <laughs>
0: the deluxe deluxe version
2: but that's the problem is it's such a quaint little silly idea. I wanted to make it so fast. Like I didn't want to spend too much time agonizing over it because I can very easily get to a point where it becomes overwhelming for me or I'm overpromising. I really wanted this to be a simple thing. I think I probably got about 35 to 40 pages that are roughed out and near a completion. And people keep giving me more ideas and I keep thinking of new things. So I'll probably like keep adding to it for a little while, but I'm really hoping everything will be printed and ready to ship by the end of this year.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, I cannot wait to get mine. I'm also getting a town flag, apparently, and like all kinds of other goodies. So congratulations on blowing through that goal. And I know that listeners are going to be really, really excited to get a copy as well. I would be remiss if I didn't mention on my husband Matt's behalf that he's obsessed with you and he wears your On My Way to Cry Near a Lighthouse shirt like (laughs) probably way too much. (laughs) And he also loves your Desperate Times Call for Despair shirt which he finds incredibly cathartic considering all of the desperate times that we're currently in. And it always is a real conversation starter. We'll put it that way when he wears it (laughs) out and about. So, yeah, we're just huge, huge fans over here. And I just can't wait to see more of what you do. For those listening who would love to connect with you and buy your merch and your book and See all your wonderful occult weirdo memes. Where can they find you?
2: I'm all over the place.
0: <laughs> You're like air, baby.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Just walk out your front door. I'll, I'll be there. <laughs> I'm on Instagram at arcane arcanebullshit. Arcanebullshit.com is the store. Like I said, I was in my friend's classroom the other day. For some reason we got into like his students wanted to critique my website and they were like why is there no about page this doesn't tell me anything about you it's just hits you with buy my merch just right on the front page (laughs) i could do a little bit more storytelling i'm sorry the the website is not the most exciting place right now I have bigger ideas for the future
0: well you made up for it with your canadian sorry right now so i'm (laughs) very very delighted
2: As a Canadian, I I have to apologize at least once, every time I do a public appearance.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm so happy you hit your quota. (laughs) Yeah. Evan, it is such a delight to speak with you. I absolutely adore everything you make. I'm so grateful for it. And I'm so thankful that you were on the witch wave today. I hope you come back
2: soon. Amazing, yeah. Thank you so much for having me.
0: That's it for the show. Thank you again to Evan Doherty for sharing his outrageously wonderful arcane bullshit with me. Do you have questions, feedback, need some witchly advice, or just want to share something magical that happened to you recently? Drop us an email at witchwavepodcast at gmail We'd love to hear from you, and you just might make it on the witchwire. The Witch Wave is a phantasmophile production written and produced by me, Pam Grossman. This episode was recorded and edited by Josh Wilcox and myself. Our theme music is the song Hand and Eye by Lycanthea. Our new Witch Wave logo was designed by Thunderwing. Special thanks go to Matt Freeman, Lara Antal, and Cece Paschal. You can check out information about this and other episodes on our website and now buy Witchwave merch at witchwavepodcast.com. Please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and give us lots and lots of sparkly stars. It really, truly makes a difference and helps other people find the show. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at WitchwavePod, and you can check out my witch emoji for iPhone by going to witchemoji.com or downloading it in the app store. Please consider ordering my book, Witchcraft, and or picking up my book, Waking the Witch, which are both available everywhere now. And if you want more Witchwave or you would just like to support the show, please join us over on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash witchwave. Thank you so much for listening. Witches are the future. I'll catch you next time on The Witch Wave.